Welcome to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your hosts, Justine and Mackenzie on Midtown Radio KW. We're going to talk about some of the residual challenges of the COVID-19 dog ownership wave. We know them, we love them, pandemic puppies. Welcome to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your hosts, Justine and Mackenzie on Midtown Radio KW. So today we are discussing residual challenges that have emerged since the wave of dog ownership that emerged throughout the pandemic. So let's chat about this a little bit. So I definitely want to highlight that I am the owner of a pandemic puppy. I definitely jumped on the work from home, good time to raise a puppy train um, and I'm sure Kenz, you remember when we were searching for Marshall, how different the climate was for rescuing a dog back then. Oh, it was dog eat dog. It was wild. So like getting a puppy early on in the pandemic in particular was so competitive. Like you couldn't get applications in fast enough. And I had to try, like my partner and I to try several times before we were actually successful in getting Marshall, which is definitely not the case um, today. So we're going to start off today's episode discussing some of the impacts on rescue and adoption organizations as a result of the pandemic. So at the start of the pandemic, rescues have gone from not having enough dogs for homes to not having enough homes for dogs. Uh, so we've seen a huge boom in dog rehomes um, with local rescues and shelters, etc. Um, even in September of this year, CTV News reported that there were more than 200 animals currently in need of care, which included dogs, cats, reptiles, and other small animals just through our local humane societies. So that's the KW Stratford Perth Humane Society. Um, that's an insane amount of animals. <laughs> yeah, that also did include the Brant Humane Society in that data. So that was basically um, KW Stratford, Cambridge, and Brantford. Um, but keep in mind that that doesn't include any of the other nonprofit or charities that do so much of this work. So you think of like all the other rescues, Save Our Scruff, New Collar Collective, Pound Dog Rescue. Hobo Haven. I was chatting uh, when we did our event at Rural Roots with Music Bingo back in um Oh my gosh, that was back in July. Uh, we were chatting, and it's just breeders, uh, backyard breeders, might not be specific, have just poured dogs into these uh, rescues because nobody wants to buy them. <laughs> it's yeah. So the so this sad. is the 
this is the thing is like it's almost a two-prong issue. So you have people who got dogs during the pandemic who are now realizing that maybe it wasn't the best choice or the dog isn't a good fit for their home. So they're either surrendering or looking to rehome their dog. And then on top of that, we've now created this system of breeding that was looking at a supply and demand that was happening because of like a very specific acute event that was happening in our society. And now it's almost as if these breeders are just continuing with the status quo, not recognizing that that demand is not the same anymore. Yeah, it's it's so sad to think of, but this isn't just a local issue. Um, a quick scan of the news articles uh, indicating this is a challenge in many countries around the world. So um, yes, we do see it locally and in the GTA and beyond around um, Ontario and into Canada, but it's uh, it's everywhere. I read um, this article today in the Washington Post. I think it was from last year, so it's not super recent, but um, I really liked this quote because I think it Uh, really captured the whole essence of the issue we're kind of up against at this point. So it's sweet pandemic puppies deprived of the socialization and experiences they need to learn good behavior have grown into unruly teenagers. Owners are calling for help and obedience classes are filling up across the country. Trainers are worried that overwhelmed owners won't stick with the necessary classes and will turn over their dogs to shelters. Some rescue groups say they are already seeing that happening. And it's funny, I was having a conversation with another local dog owner um, actually today, and um, she was saying that trainers are so hard to come by because of the amount of pandemic puppies that are out there. Um, trainers are overwhelmed, and they there aren't enough of them to yeah. to help. So, Yeah, that's something we're definitely going to dive into a little bit deeper in the second half of the episode is around the the resources for dog owners and how at this point they're just really isn't enough to meet the demand of dog ownership. I mean, at least in our local context, and I'm sure lots of other communities across Canada and across the world are seeing the same thing, but we definitely see it and feel it here for sure. Yeah. And I, I, I find it really um, disheartening to think of that there's just the sheer amount of dogs that just don't get the help that they need and that will in turn then need to be possibly rehomed uh, just because of the lack of resources out there for, for current dog owners. Yes. And I think it's particularly disheartening when we think of the number of negative events that could have been prevented if people had access to adequate resources. So if you're having challenges with your dog and if you don't feel equipped to handle them and there's no trainer available for three months, what happens in those three months while you're waiting? I'm sure for some folks, a lot of things happen. Um, So I think from like a prevention perspective, we lose out on a lot of that when we're really missing those resources in our communities. So we've discussed a lot about the impact on rescue-based organizations, but what about the residual impacts on dog owners? Uh, We're going to have a quick break and come back to discuss.
Okay, it's time for Celebrity Pop of the Week. Special Celebrity Pup of the Week this season. So every Celebrity Pup of the Week that we have over the course of season six is going to be entered into a competition to win a free mini session with Victor Rose Photography. So this week we are excited to announce that... Mackenzie, who is our Celebrity Pup of the Week? Drum roll, please. It is... Archie on the move. Archie the Corgi. Archie. Archie has been a part of our community for a long time now. Yes, yes, he has. Or oh my gosh, yes, it's a boy. I just I just read something and I was like, oh no, is Archie a girl? No, Archie's a hundred percent a boy. Um and he is a little corgi, a little uh, Pembroke Welsh corgi. And uh, he is just the sweetest little dude who loves to do tricks, training, and travel. And he uh, also um, does agility, and he's got his CKC novice printer title, which good for you, Archie, for a little corgi. That's adorable. I love that. Um, <laughs> my girls have it, um, and uh, it's it's such a fun if anyone wants to do a really fun easy activity that is very natural uh the sprinter training is available to every dog out there anyway um yeah and archie is just so sweet and uh his his parent just does such a good job of capturing um archie all over kw and beyond and uh, he's just always got that like little corgi smile on his face and yeah go check out archie period on period the period move on instagram he is absolutely adorable so adorable well there you have it thanks archie for coming to all of our events and for being a longtime supporter of dog friendly kw you are this week's celebrity pup of the week (laughs) 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 welcome back to the dog friendly kw podcast with your host justine and mackenzie on midtown radio kw And today we are discussing some residual impacts of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic on dog ownership. Let's think about those pandemic puppies, shall we? Yeah, so we're going to dive into some of the ongoing impacts on dog owners. So first up, the impacts of inadequate training early on or socialization. Um, This is something we hear all the time in our community um, from folks, yeah, from folks who weren't able to access training or socialization opportunities, um, may have pups who struggle with other humans or with other dogs, struggle with reactivity or different elements of socialization simply because there just weren't socialization opportunities available at that time, whether we were in like a hard, hard lockdown Um And also because a lot of trainers were either like not doing sessions or minimized sessions, group sessions weren't happening. 
the whole landscape of training was very different throughout the pandemic, especially during lockdown. Yeah. And without like events happening or even like patios being open and available for, you know, I remember like I'm thinking back now, you know, six and a half years, but when Willow was a puppy, I thankfully got her at the end of summer and I was out on patios every chance I could with her just to get her out and about, see different people, meet different people, meet different dogs, you know, in a safe manner, of course, but like that wasn't available. So what are you going to do? And you can't do anything. You can, you know, try your best to, you know, take your pup out to, you know, safe spaces to give him a walk or to walk down the streets, downtown Kitchener, uptown Waterloo, what have you. But, um, to really get a safe, uh, space like i.e a group training session um which is very common with young puppies that just wasn't available so so then what yeah yeah i was really lucky with marshall because we got him mid june and that was when things were just finally starting to open up so we were able to go to patios i mean that was when we started dog friendly kw and we were able to go to patios and do a lot of outdoor things, um, which gave Marshall still like a lot of that socialization experience. But if you think about dogs that were um, rescued or adopted or brought into new homes in like that, like March, April window of the first wave of the pandemic, like everything was closed and you were basically being told not to leave your house except for like essential exercise and essential living items. Yeah. Yeah. So those I feel very, very muchly for those individuals who had dogs at that point, especially newer dogs, whether them being a newer rescue or a, a newer puppy. Um, that wow. would be that would be super tough. I yeah I even just taking your dog for a walk, like you would be nervous to interact with other individuals just based on the the scare uh, that COVID nineteen mm. had. Like it still is there, but uh, you keep your distance. You don't let other people pet your dog. You know, there's not much you can really do around it at that point. Yeah. Yeah. We have a lot more information now than we did in like spring of 2020. So the, the climate around how people, I think, think and feel about COVID is super different now, but that is not a topic for this podcast. So moving along to another challenge that I think dog owners are definitely up against, and I think this is COVID-related, but also a reflection of lots of other things that are going on around the world, um, but I think dog owners are super up against lots of budget constraints right now, um, because if you adopted a puppy during the pandemic, if you got a new dog, your costs of having a dog have likely increased exponentially since getting that dog let's say two years ago. So you think about inflation, you think about going back to the office, gas prices, and you layer all that on with the additional financial responsibility of owning a dog. And it's a lot for people right now. Yeah, it really is. Um, in all factors, I think in our lives and Justine and I are millennials and Justine's a homeowner. And like, I'm sure you can really <laughs> resonate with this with uh, a lot of different um factors there but yeah it's owning a dog isn't cheap and especially owning a dog and you know giving it it's the resources that some dogs need like i.e a, a good trainer you know that's that's hard on 
a lot of people. And um, yes, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, dive into dog ownership with thinking, oh, this dog's going to be perfect. I don't need a trainer, but that's not always the case. And then what, right? So then you're stuck with a dog that needs a a professional trainer and um, that's not available to everybody financially and or time-wise and or, you know, many other reasons. But um, then, yeah, what, what do you do? Okay. Well, that is a great segue to our next point. So, Ken's, what is another one of the residual impacts that the pandemic has had on dog owners and on the dog community in general? Right. So like we touched a bit about in the first half of today's episode was access to a quality trainer. So, All the trainers that we know and love in the community are booking many, many months out, and this is a problem. Um, What dog owners are, what are dog owners meant to do rather when they really need training now and just can't access it? Like, there's a lot of people out there that just don't know what to do. They, they're panicking. They have a dog that is reactive or resource guarding or, you know, um, has bit somebody. Yeah, whatever it might be, uh, whatever level uh, that your dog is at. Like, I can't imagine being just backed into feeling backed into a corner like that. And what do I do? Like, especially like you throw uh, young children into the mix. If you have a young family, um, if you have, yeah. you know individuals that come and go from your home and your dog is acting, you know, out of control and you just feel lost. So I, I feel again, like my sympathy and my empathy is with individuals who are going through that because the trainers just aren't available. There's too many dogs and not enough trainers. And I think it's so hard for the trainers too, because 99.9% of trainers got into dog training because they love dogs. And when they hear people in their community saying, you know, I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know what to do with my dog. I don't know if I'm going to have to rehome. And these trainers, what are they supposed to do when they physically don't have space in their schedule? From what I've heard, I've heard of a lot of trainers giving like a lot of informal advice over the phone to like tie people over in the meantime because they don't want to leave these folks empty handed. Um, But the risk of burnout, I'm sure, for trainers right now is incredibly high um, because I'm sure the stress of having to say no to people and to having to make people wait must I mean, I know if I was in that situation, it would definitely wear on me. Oh, my me. God. I would feel guilt galore. Like, yeah. I I would feel horrible just that I couldn't have enough hours in the day to help all these yeah. these poor people and their dogs. So uh, that is that is a huge one. Um, and, yeah, please be, you know, empathetic with trainers if you are out there looking for, for somebody to help you. Um, they are trying their best and um, we we see it um, and we just want to make sure that these people feel like they're helping and not um, essentially being shit on. So <laughs> they are trying. They are trying. Um, all right. What's the next one? Um, these ones kind of these two kind of go hand in hand. So vets and vet clinics are stretched incredibly thin. Um, We, I think this is a cross Canada issue. It's probably an issue in other countries too, but we do not have enough vets to meet the needs of pets in our communities. We just don't. 
Um, it's alarming. And I think we're pretty well resourced here locally, but some other communities, um, it can be really challenging. If you live in a more rural community and you need to access an emergency vet, like on a weekend, forget about it. It's so challenging. And it's because we're not graduating enough vets to meet the demand. I think we have a handful of veterinary schools in Canada. And obviously, they have a limited capacity. So we just don't have enough vets. And similar to what we're seeing with trainers, I think this is even more of a longstanding issue. And this is something we talked about in our Not One More Vet episode is just around the ongoing burnout and abuse experienced by vets and the incredibly high suicide rate. And I think that has only gotten worse throughout the pandemic. Um, And it's definitely a crisis, at least in Canada. Yeah, I was going to mention that episode with Not One More Vet. That was such an impactful episode. That was, um, if you haven't listened to it, I highly suggest it's, uh, it's, pretty eye-opening. Um, we here in um, the GTA are very fortunate to have, you know, the OBC very close by to us. So we do have like that resource there available to us, especially with dogs with those, you know, larger issues. Like i.e., my a friend of mine has a dog with an autoimmune issue and she drives to Guelph yeah. to, to have her dog, you know, checked out every three months or so. So we are very fortunate, but that's not the case uh, across the province and across the country. So um, yeah, it's vets. If you ever want to be a vet, I thought about it at one point in my life and I'm not smart enough (laughs) or I couldn't handle it. (laughs) It would be such challenging work. Okay. This is the big one. This is a doozy. Um, Probably one of the biggest impacts of the pandemic. So, yes. So we talked about this at the very beginning of the pandemic. Um, It was uh, one of our episodes with Lily from Leader of the Pack. And we chatted about separation anxiety, mostly in dogs. But as the pandemic has gone on and people are going back to work, uh, now it is time for us humans to suffer that separation anxiety as well. So, yeah, if you want any tips around separation anxiety, I mean... If available, always connect with a trainer, but that episode is a great resource if you want to learn more. But we do just want to say that, I mean, this isn't all doom and gloom. For many of us, our dogs were a key support system throughout the duration of the pandemic. Dog snuggles and long outdoor walks kept many of us going through many lockdowns. So let's take a quick break, and we're going to come back to chat about how the pandemic both fueled, inspired, and impacted dog-friendly KW. been listening to the dog friendly kw podcast and today we have been discussing the residual effects of the pandemic on dogs dog owners and the dog community so before we wrap up today we wanted to share a few of the ways the pandemic both fueled inspired and impacted the dog friendly kw community justine go (laughs) well i mean ultimately 
it really was inspired by the pandemic and our our pandemic puppy Marshall right we wanted to like there were so many dog owners in my situation who didn't know where to go um, and we wanted to inform people of safe places they could still access socialization um, at this time of strangeness. Yeah. And then post-pandemic, we were finally able to turn them into real life events, which was fantastic. Uh, actually, uh, yeah, almost a year ago. So October, uh, 2021, we had our first in human live, you know, event. So, uh, the boom uh, in dog owners has made for a bustling dog community locally, which has been fantastic for us dog owners and businesses are recognizing it. And that has led to some booming events that we have been able to, to make happen. So, um, overall, while the pandemic has been horrible. Um, It has had many impacts on the community, but it has truly been a catalyst into where we are today um, as dog owners. So, And at Dog Friendly KW. Yeah. Well, there you have it. All of the residual impacts of the COVID pandemic on dog owners and on the dog community. So thanks for tuning in to the Dog Friendly KW podcast. Till next time. Bye. (laughs) 